Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, it has been a day. It's been a very long day with very little day. sleeping, but I am back in Orlando. Yeah. We are getting ready, uh, we are recording so that I can get ready to go to yet another show. I am yeah, back home. Yeah, can't help yourself. I cannot, um, but I'm going to see the national tour of Hades Town at the Dr. Phillips could Center for Performing Arts on Tuesday night. Uh, it really, really could, because I'm very excited to see this, uh, not only the show again, but this tour. My aunt saw this cast about a month or two ago in St. Louis and said that the the gentleman playing Orpheus was like one of the best voices she's ever heard in anything like Ooh. theater or anything. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but we have a lot to talk about, including some of the other shows that I saw on my trip. So we're going to dive into it. But don't forget that if you want to hear all of our episodes before, you can get them anywhere else. And we are starting to plan some fun stuff for the holidays and for the end of the year. Head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, actually, the big news coming out of Tuesday is the fact that the Tony Awards, A, are going to happen because in years Amazing. past, we have never always been sure of that yeah, fact. <laughs> um, but they are going to happen this time on June 11th, 2023. They will be broadcast as they have been in recent years on CBS and then live streamed on Paramount+. Plus. The official Tony Awards eligibility cutoff for the season is April 27th and nominations will be announced on May 2nd. All of that is standard stuff. We actually probably could have guessed all of that beforehand. What we could not have guessed, although I I had heard that it was probably not returning to Radio City Music Hall, mm. is that it's actually heading uptown. Hello. Way uptown. Yeah, hello. Way uptown. <laughs> it is going up to Washington Heights and is going to play the United Palace, which is apparently yeah. the third largest venue in Manhattan at yeah, 3,400 seats. Uh, not nearly as big as the 6,015 yeah. seats at Radio City Music Hall, but it is still bigger than the Beacon Theater, which has kind of been the temporary home previously when the Radio City mm-hmm. Music Hall was not available. Um this also interesting, not just for the Washington, uh, not for the Washington Heights connection because of like in the Heights, but like Lynn Manuel right. Miranda hosts a movie series there, Sundays True. at the Palace. So yeah, he was part of the big uh, campaign to get it back off yeah. the ground, you know, before when it was you know formerly Lowe's One Seventy Fifth. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this will be a time for for Lynn to host the Tonys. That's my immediate thought when it was announced yeah. and they said where it was going to be. I will be very surprised if one, he's not the host, and two, we don't see some kind of Heights tribute because it will be what fifteen years since it was on Broadway. Two thousand eight. Right, two thousand eight. Well, yeah. it won the Tony in two thousand eight. I don't remember yeah, if it uh, if it opened in two thousand eight or not. But still, do the do the fifteen year tribute to winning the best musical. If yeah, not, exactly. Um, you're you're up in that area, right? I are am. you in are you in Washington Heights? I used close- to be I used to be in the Heights, and now I'm all the way up on two oh four, so further up in Inwood, uh Inwood Daddy, as many people call me. But yeah. I do not. I, I do not. <laughs> but exciting, very exciting, gorgeous theater. Um I have some concerns, first of all, being the size, like you said, thirty three hundred at there and then six thousand at Radio City. Uh, also, can you imagine? Can you yeah. imagine what they're going to charge for student rush tickets uh, now when yeah. availability is even lower? <laughs> There's it's going to be a bit. million dollars yeah, for yeah, yeah. student rush tickets. Yeah, pinky up and all. That was my thought as well. And part of it, as far as the size significantly decreasing is what those are going to look like as far as accessibility. But standpoint. who cares? Like this is this is an award ceremony. Like I don't know, invite anybody. Don't let the public in at all. Just give it to like the shows, and especially because like they're not going to be able. Like a lot of times, 
the the performing shows that's like, my second concern yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they get how dressed people, in their theaters yeah, yeah. Go ahead. how are the people that are going to be performing in matinees that day going to so seamlessly make it all the way up to 175th street uh and also you know it's there's a lot of logistical issues there so i i don't know did they name the reason why they're not going back to radio city um, I don't believe they did, but I, yeah. I, I've been told, like I've heard, mm-hmm. and I, I think it might have, it honestly might have just been scheduling. I, I, I don't remember exactly what it is. Like mm. I've heard, I heard about this. I mean, That's I think over the summer. In itself, considering they basically know it's going to happen every year. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I don't quote me on that because I, I remember sure. being told this was something that could happen, but I do not remember the reason. So mm. somebody who is tapped into this, let us know. Um. I'm fine with it. Like I don't. I don't think Radio City is a great venue for the Tonys. I think it's hollow, and it's, it's hollow. it doesn't read very well. The stage is way too big. This is not a Broadway theater, which I think it. You know, it, it should be in a Broadway theater, but I understand that that's like nearly impossible to plan because sure. you never know what shows are going to be there. So, like, this is a a big house, great, but it's. I'm guessing the stage is probably similar to a Broadway stage than a Radio City stage. So. I'm fine with that. Figure out, get a hotel, like buy out a hotel nearby, bus everybody up from their theaters, put them in the hotels, let them do their whole thing, get, you know, into hair and makeup, put the casts. Yeah. My concern as far as like the Sunday matinees that would be happening are if they're going to end up clearing the schedule that day and therefore people lose money. Well, they, they, you know, do, 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 um, you know, an extra week matinee or, you know, double up on, uh, the following Maybe. week or something. I mean, there's, I, I yeah, I, I think they can make it work. Like, I think, like, I you think know, so too. do a, do a one o'clock matinee on Sunday if you have to, rather than the, the traditional three o'clock matinee. Don't take so, the MTA. <laughs> no, hell no. <laughs> Although I, I will tell say, you how long it takes me to get home, and that's on a good day. So yeah, I will tell you though, like. I stayed in Long Island City for this trip. I had nary an issue. Like, I mean, a few like what did longer waits than normal. I don't remember what did you tell you're me because t- <laughs> you're a tourist. And the MTA is kinder That's to right. tourists than people That's who true. live here. That's true. Very good point. All right, um, let's talk about something that you and I have been talking about incessantly since we both saw the show uh, on Monday night. Despite Couldn't the fact that there was no actual performance on Monday night, uh, the New York Theater Workshop's production of Merrily We Roll Along officially had its like review embargo lift. Yeah. It had opened the previous night, so I don't understand. Like, I, I get like. They can set the embargo for whatever they want, but it was just very weird to me that like I went out after chess, which is we'll talk about the here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the people I went out with was the company manager for Merrily We Roll Along, and ah. like there, he was like looking at the reviews on the, the phone. I'm out. like, why are you here? There's no. They'd had the opening night party the night before. It was very weird. But anyway, um, of course, this is the beloved but also fairly fraught musical that features a book by George Firth and music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. It is based on the original play by George S. Kaufman and Moss Hart. It does use the original Jonathan Tunick orchestrations. Uh, It is directed by Maria Friedman, who, if you don't remember, like, she's an incredible actress as well. Like, with a long history of, like, winning Olivier's, like, as a performer and doing Sondheim shows as an acclaimed performer. Um, So, like, she brings with this not only the fact that she's done this production multiple times, both at the Minier Chocolate Factory in London, as well as as Barrington Stage in... uh, Was it Barrington? No, Huntington Stage in Boston. Um, 
but she brings like this huge wealth of 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 Sondheimian knowledge to this production, and it has an incredible cast. Of course, the three folks at the center uh, are Jonathan Groff, Daniel Radcliffe, Lindsay Mendez as uh, Frank, Charlie, and Mary. Also in the cast is Crystal Joy Brown as Gussie, who is who oh boy. Let's get into her in a minute. Mm. Um, K- Katie Rose Clark as Beth. Reg Rogers, who never Oof. fails to steal a scene Correct. in anything that he is in. Um, well, let's save our reviews for here in a second. Let's run through the <laughs> actual reviews. Um, Jesse Green of the New York Times did make the show a New York Times critics pick and said, quote, with the off-Broadway run all but sold out and commercial producers teed up for a transfer, it's happening in the fall. Just wait. We mm-hmm. may yet find out what Merrily can be at its best. For now, it's just at its best so far. That means some scenes work, some scenes work as they never have. The act two opener, it's a hit, which often lays an egg, is for the first time hilarious, thanks in large part to Reg Rogers as Frank and Charlie's producer. The unlikely progress through the story of Gussie Carnegie, the producer's secretary, then wife, then star, then ex, but in reverse, suddenly seems clear and, in Crystal Joy Brown's fetching performance, charming, if not credible. Yet, at the same time, some things that used to work no longer do. The supporting characters heavily doubled are mostly a blur. The song Old Friends, which at its root is about the fatal compromises that keep people together, has a case of fake giddiness. And Bobby and Jackie and Jack, a comedy number about the Kennedy family that the three friends perform in a downtown club in 1960, lays the egg that it's a hit no longer does. We'll get back to it. Um, Jackson McHenry for Vulture said, quote, Friedman's straightforward and finely polished version, however ramshackle certain aspects of the show remain, gives Merrily new emotional depth, especially in its rendering of Frank. You feel powerfully his ache to get back to the past, which is quite an accomplishment. The guy does have some sweet digs in Bel Air. Uh, those are both positive. There were some mixed reviews, though. Juan A. Ramirez, writing for Theaterly, said, quote, The backwards chronology is not the problem. It's that the book is thoroughly literal, filled with cliches, and run its, runs its thinly sketched characters on the same autopilot tour of the cost of success we've been playing since the year one. That we know just where the story will end up doesn't help, of course, sapping any possibility for catharsis. But there is still room for nuance and depth, deft characterization to surprise us. Firth and Sondheim do not fill that in. Thus, the entire show hinges on believing the trio's ties and that a combination of the unruly sands of time and the fickle fingers of fate were able to undo them. Despite the main cast's able efforts, they do not pull this off. I'm calling bullshit. Um, yep, each of correct. these, their own charm. <laughs> Radcliffe especially shining with a vibrantly angsty energy. Mm. But I never really believed these people were ever close or held each other to the lofty artistic standards that did they did back in their youth. Mm. And finally, Alexis Solosky writing for The Guardian also mixed. It's doubtful that anyone will get it writer than director Maria Friedman, a former actor and a sensitive and lucid interpreter of Sondheim's work. She lends clarity and humanity to the revival of Marilee now playing a New York theater workshop. Informed by her 20. 12 Mania Chocolate Factory production. This version stars Jonathan Groff, Daniel Radcliffe, and Lindsay Mendez as a trio of disillusions, uh, uh, as a trio of friends disillusioned after two decades amid, amid the gutters and stars of Holiday and Broadway. Friedman's interpretation will probably be regarded as the gold standard, but even here, despite that indelible sour sweet score, this, the gold is short a few carrots. Some choices, it would seem, can't be unmade, no matter how accurate our hindsight. Now, here's my thing. Okay. We are now, what, four decades after the premiere of this show off-Broadway yep. or on-Broadway. And four I understand – yeah, yeah I, I understand that 
not everybody knows this show and not, not everybody knows the history of this show. So the reviewers mm-hmm. have to do something to like illuminate the fact that like this was a flop when it happened. Many times people criticizing the book as just not working and it has been tweaked and messed with throughout the years. But why in the year of our Lord 2022 <laughs> yeah. are we still harping? Yeah, are we still harping on the fact that like merrily we roll along is messy and it like is a little it, it the the chronology doesn't make it work like we get it sure like why are we still doing this? Let's talk about the fact that as Alexis Salaski uh, said. This is the best production we are likely ever to get of this show. Every single decision for me uh, worked, and I am not the aficionado on this stuff that you are. I think the casting was almost uniformly perfect. Daniel Radcliffe, for all of his Hollywoodness, um, is is like doing yeoman's work. I don't know that he rises unsurprisingly to the musical theater cred of Jonathan Groff and um, Lindsay Mendez sure. and Crystal Joy Brown and Reg Rogers, but like. I, I bought it. Like I thought he was – yeah, they were all sensational and he was very, very good and like yes. worthy of all the praise. Um, Lindsay Mendez is utterly perfect and mm-hmm. I would I would mm-hmm. die for her. Jonathan Groff is not just a pretty face with a great voice who like moonlights as a TV and, a and movie star. And a lot of spit. I was in the front row. I was worried. <laughs> um, but like he was incredible. The acting was incredible. Um, so I, I, I thought it was a wonderful production. I thought it was great. I don't understand why – it's a revival. We know the book. You don't have to like beat the, the issues with this, the script sure. over our head. So anyway, go ahead. Take the, the floor is yours. <laughs> I have a lot to say and I agree with pretty much everything Shocking. you just said there. Yeah. I'm going to talk fast. Uh, so apologies. So I saw in third preview, I can address what I saw. And in this and only this instance, I'm God's favorite. So I get to see it next month. Uh, what will be the third to last performance, which is a nice little unintentional bookend. I'm sure I'll be talking about it more then. So. I obviously have a huge attachment to the show and all its flaws, uh, especially because its reputation precedes it. Of course, you know, the famous flop of it all, which you just talked about, which means you go in with expectations for it. And I'm fine with people talking about that in that light because you're going to go in with even higher expectations when the yeah. ticket cost is $140 and the so- show is sold totally out. And the London version a decade ago is acclaimed and all these things. I would and will happily say most of those expectations in including my own incredibly high ones, <laughs> were either met or surpassed with this production. I've seen a couple of productions of Merrily, and most recently the one that Fiasco Theater did a few years ago for Roundabout, mm-hmm. which Same. I really liked, um, even though I understand why people who didn't, didn't. You had it in one act, it lost a lot of the transitions, even more with uh, you know, that was lost through further interpretations because there were, of course, a thousand transitions and such in the original that were mostly historical and not about Frank. The problem with it is I don't remember much about that production when, when uh, it's an incredibly difficult show to forget, however you feel about it. Seeing this and having it so much in the forefront of my memory since I've seen it, I can't give enough credit to Maria Friedman for her direction, which I think is superb. I saw the London Pro tape, and I don't know if it was the filming of it or the passage of time or what, but I didn't appreciate it as much as I'm seeing it live. I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it, because it is on YouTube, so go find it. Um, I think for whatever evolution it's had since then, and obviously so, so much evolution since the original Broadway run, this version feels really 
really alive. I think there are yes. definitely moments of overdirection where it feels, you know, there are moments where it felt like a literal light bulb of this emotional realization was going off above Frank's head. But I think overall, it really pulled the complexity and the joy from it. And sometimes that can feel like, it, especially the joy feels like it's really gutted from all that. The casting hmm. is superb. Um, Dan Radcliffe's Charlie, I think he did a really good job, if not great. There's this high key yeah. anxiety and manicness rooted in his portrayal that feels like he's at all times on the verge of coming apart, which is deeply relatable. Um, <laughs> when he was cast, the first thing I thought of that was his Frank Shepard Inc., as I'm sure most people did, yeah. and how delightfully unhinged I expected that to be, which should really be the perfect moment for all that to come out and take hold since it's really our introduction yeah. of him. I don't think he ever got there. I no, I'd I have either. to go yeah I'd have to go back to the text um even though I just reread it but I think Charlie might have maybe the fewest lines of the trio but it's never real it never really feels like a small part I think yeah. here with his star power it felt smaller than usual yeah I especially d- especially yeah. when Rollo Sparza did it in Maria's oh, totally. production in Boston and yeah that that perf- like his performance is available to find uh, sure, various yes. various places. <laughs> so like, and it was, that's the gold standard of that song as yeah, far as I'm concerned. hundred percent. I do think some of that had, you know, it was still early in the run and therefore maybe a confidence issue, but I just don't really think he ever hit the extremes of the performance the way I wanted to. Um, Jonathan Groff is Frank. Usually Frank ends up being a problem <laughs> because he's always, almost always yeah. insufferable and arrogant in every portrayal until he's not. That's why Groff's casting is so totally. Perfect. Totally. Totally. Because he's like the most lovable person on Broadway. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, even so, like, I don't really see Frank that intensely. I usually see him as, you know, the spineless ladder climber and really conscious mm-hmm. of his own personal idea of success and therefore maybe a bit more sympathetic, a small bit, uh, but a bit nonetheless. I think Groff really leaned into that. Like the indecision of it all and the wanting to make the best decision for himself that he saw as right rather than what was actually right. And you see where that lands him. I think he's, I think it's the best I've ever seen him on stage for sure. Yeah. Um, and then there's Lindsay fucking Mendes, <laughs> who, who, if I felt anything lacking, it was in her unraveling in that first scene. But even still, I mean, no one on that stage shines the way she does. There's nothing to say. She's just incredible. The chemistry you're, between the three of them. Sorry. No, no, you're going to say the, the one thing there is to say mm. is, um, dust off the spot next to your other. Tony. Yeah. No, uh, no. So. <laughs> no kidding. Um, the chemistry between them, even in those early days, was superb. I, oh, I can't remember whose review said that it didn't feel like they had any close knitness or history. Yes, yeah, it was once. I felt absolutely the opposite. Um, yeah, me and too. the supporting cast also great, but I, you know, my problem always lies in the book and the supporting right. characters are fundamentally lacking, unfortunately, which is no real fault to the actors. They're the blob. Them. That's They're literally the, the point of no. the show with those people. Yes. <laughs> I think it's Crystal, in the text. Yeah. I think Crystal Joy Brown did a really great job with Gussie and same with Kitty Rose Clark's Beth, but we never really get to appreciate or enjoy no. time with I, them. I was, I was, I was underwhelmed by Katie Rose Clark, if I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't think her not, it's also like yeah. you forget, like, because Not a Day Goes By is such a well known Sondheim standard at this and, point. Like, and for Mary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um, you forget that, like, one, it's the very first thing we see her do. So yeah, we have no totally. connection to her character while she's doing it. Exactly. And then literally, like, we don't see her again till like, 
the last quarter of the show. So it's yeah. it's a very weird part. And obviously, because of the reverse chronology, that's why. Yeah. I also didn't think, like, I think she acted it really well. I don't know that she married the act, no pun intended, on Mary. <laughs> um, but in any way, I guess, um, married the acting to the singing super well. Totally. But that was that's the one principal complaint that I have. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, we never really, like you said, we never really get to appreciate or enjoy time with Beth because her scenes are either, they either have this overt or underlying sadness to them or for what is like her first slash last scene with opening doors we meet her and then bam you're suddenly back into the frenetic energy of it all as they're dealing with their yeah. anxiety and for Gussie you've already made up your assumptions about her by the time you develop any sympathy for her but I thought they were both yeah. great but it's a character problem and Red yeah. Rogers as Joe I mean everything I hoped it would be so I mean yeah li- literally I think I think when this transfers I mean that's a legitimate performance that I think could Ugh. be a contender for featured Absolutely. actor too. Side note, never a side note uh, to Nick Orchestrations. It was a small band. I don't know how many people there were, but God, it felt so big. It felt and, great. And yeah. I simply cannot stress how excited for Sweeney I am. <laughs> with yeah. Because they, they are also, yeah. yeah, and they are also using the original Jonathan Tunic Totally. So. But yeah, I think across the board, it was just a beautiful sum of stellar parts. Even when the book fails, even when the concept fails, I think this production really understands Understands it and sympathizes with it and leans into it and understands that even when the characters feel unsy- unsympathetic, you know, so what? The, uh, you know, this That's is kind of the point of the show. Yeah. And, you know, this is Sondheim's Allegro. And he, he even said at some point he was mm-hmm. trying subconsciously to fix the faults of it while <laughs> and not. How ironic that yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also while not giving the lead character a redemption arc, well, I mean, you can get pedantic that the fact it's written reverse means it kind of does, but whatever, choose your own adventure. But that obviously led to its own flaws of unlikable characters on top of everything else. And I think so much of what I've seen interpreted has really leaned into that. But wait, they were good ones. You'll see. Stick with me. Uh, This felt more like they're fallible and let down by their expectations of life and each other, especially Mary, who really more than ever felt like the lifeblood in the center of everything. And here is the path in the reverse order that got them here. And that's kind of what your life is like, too, depending on what point of the plot you're at. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. really the first time I felt truly, truly empathetic to it. And, you know, that could just be me getting older, too. (laughs) It definitely is. All right. Well, speaking of getting older, I now have to go. That's the end of the show because Hades Town is in five minutes because oh, you Jesus just did a third. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but we do need to get going. Uh, but uh, I'm sure after you see the show again, you will talk more about it. But before then, incessantly, before mm-hmm. then, let's talk about our sponsor for this week, Today Takes. I am back from New York. I have finished my sixth and final trip of the 2022 calendar year. So what does so that mean? Say. That, look, I'm not coming back before the end of the year. I can guarantee you that. But that means it's time to start thinking about my next trip and whether or not that is going to be in New York or if Grace and I follow through on our ridiculous plan to go to London to see uh, Groundhog's Day starring Andy Carl. Either way, Just wherever I go next, Groundhog Day, you're right. Yeah. Um, no matter where my next trip is, Today Takes will be part of that planning process. Today Takes make getting tickets affordable and easy. They have the best prices wherever you're going to see shows. It is a one-stop shop for theater tickets with the best value to Broadway and beyond. All you have to do is download the app, visit todaytakes.com, and find the show that you want to see, and you can have the tickets ready to go in 30 seconds. Also flexible. I mean, you can book your tickets months in advance, mm-hmm. even day of. And one of my favorite things during this time of the year when I'm not really sure what to get people 
people for gifts is to give them theater tickets. They give you access to exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold out shows, and day of discounted tickets, no matter what the show is. It's not just for Broadway. It's not just for the West End, whether you're going to see one or two or five groundhogs. You can also find tickets in cities across the country and around the world, including Chicago, L.A., D.C., San Francisco, Sydney, and more. And Broadway tickets, like you said, make a great gift for your loved ones. Treat them to experience they'll never forget. See that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytix.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Todaytix.com slash Broadway. Use promo code Broadway. All right, not a ton of news left here. Um, I do want to talk real quick about the uh, Entertainment Community Fund concert of chess that happened Ooh, on Monday yes. night. The last thing that I saw in the program, there was a letter from Tim Rice, the of course, the legendary lyricist of the show. And it just starts off, it's terrific to be able to welcome the return of chess to Broadway, admittedly only for one night. But then, the, uh, but then the previous incarnation of the musical here in 1988 didn't run for much longer. Um, he basically goes on and says, maybe the time is right for a return to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when they um, amass a cast with all of these stars in it, Bryce Pinkham as the Arbiter, uh, Bradley Dean as Alexander Molokov, Ramin Karamloo as Anatoly Sergeyevsky, Darren Chris as Freddie Trumper, Lena Hall as Florence Vassie, Sean Allen Krill as Walter DeCourcy, and Solea Pfeiffer as uh, Svetlana Sergeyevsky. Um, it's it's th- this was done with an eye towards Broadway. Whether or not there's anything concrete or not, yeah, we'll see. Here's what I'm going to say about this show. It is an absolute like whatever mess issues you have with the book of Merrily. These are like that times a bajillion. <laughs> yes. It is still a mess. It is a script that doesn't make sense, even with all the cuts and the changes. Which the 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 book for this was done by Danny Strong. This is the same book that was done at the Kennedy Center with Rummy and Karamloo and uh, Bryce Pinkham a few years ago. Um, it's a lot funnier if you know Danny Strong. He is a comedic actor. Like I yeah. knew him from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is is much funnier. A lot of that humor is carried off by the Arbiter, played by Bryce Pinkham, who literally had his castmates in stitches multiple times. Very funny. A little too heavy on the modern-day Trump jokes, to be honest with you, for my taste. I, mm. It's a little heavy-handed um, in terms of that. Um, when this transfers, if this transfers, if they let Darren Chris on that stage at all, it'll be a travesty. He is not capable of oh. doing Freddie Trumper on Broadway. Not in the least. It was like me singing that. It was not Ooh. good. Um Everybody else, bring them with them. I would actually be fine if Lena Hall played Freddie Trumper because she is uh, electric in everything that she does. But to me, that night was absolutely Solea Pfeiffer's night, if not slightly Bryce Pinkham's as well. Solea Pfeiffer is a goddess on that stage. She was perfect. I mean, she comes, she doesn't show up. Svetlana doesn't show up until after the first act. And when she shows up, she sings um, someone else's story, which is like, if you know a song from Chess, it's probably in the top three of that one um, with One Night in Bangkok and um, uh, – uh, Mine's at opening ceremony, but that's different. So it is not. <laughs> just stop it. Um, it is. How dare you? But um, – it, it was a mess. It was it was strange, and there was actual literal stripping on stage uh, at the top of Act Two for uh, One Night in Bangkok. Um, it that was a, that was a choice, but 
So Leia, Lena, let them do the show together and let them just rotate through the, the principal parts and have Bryce be the narrator and disguide everything. And I will be very happy for that. Uh, the, the last little bit of news, um, I guess it was on Monday's show, Grace recommended going downtown and seeing Eddie Izzard's one-person production of Charles Dickens' Great yeah, Expectations. It, it was announced on Tuesday. Oh, you're seeing it on Wednesday? Wednesday night, yeah. Awesome. They have announced that there will be an extended three weeks to the show at the Greenwich House Theater. It will now play through February 11th. Getting to see Eddie Izzard in all her glory doing this show, I'm sure, will be absolutely unhinged absolutely. and remarkable. <laughs> um, real quick, want to run through some other shows that I saw very, very uh, quickly. Grace and I alluded to the fact that we saw Death of a Salesman. We loved it. I think Grace and I will probably find a time to talk about that um, a little bit more you. in the future. I saw <laughs> – I know you don't love that show. Yeah, I do um, Saw Jefferson Mays in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. It's funny because this is probably one of the most well-known stories in the history of of, Engl- of the English language. And, and yet everything about it felt fresh and new. Totally. And that is greatly because Jefferson Mays, Michael Arden, the director, and everybody on the design team, I think, did Spectacular. it. Spectacular. Perfectly, artistically, and, and entertainingly perfectly. Um, so that was remarkable. Saw Becky, uh, Sarah Rule's new play, Becky Nurse of Salem, um, at Lincoln Center Theater off Broadway. It is, uh, starring, of course, the great Tony winner, Deidre O'Connell. It was a show that I saw. Um, I went upstairs, uh, to see Mike Birbiglia, the man, the old man in the pool. Turns out he's very funny and very good at telling stories. Yeah, I had no true. idea. This was my first Wild. introduction to him doing this. Remarkable. I'm going to have to go see everything else. That he's he's done. good stuff. Um, I also saw the collaboration not open yet, so I will save my thoughts on that. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful time. I am off to take the road to hell. Uh, and maybe I'll even take it on a railroad line. So nice. have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>